Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm joined in studio by Dr. Peter Kapsner, and we are ready to do another prayer series episode. It's 5 o'clock, and Peter, uh, I'm very excited. Uh, I had Robert Morgan on uh, last week, and I asked him if he'd be willing to come back and talk about prayer uh, in a very targeted way, because he's an incredible man of God. He has uh, been the teaching pastor at Donaldson Fellowship in Nashville for 40 years. He's written more than 35 books and more than 5 million copies in circulation, and I own many of his books, ones I've purchased. (laughs) (laughs) Which is unusual. Which is unusual, because you work at a radio station, they send you books all day long. Of course, right. Yeah, but I went out and bought his books. That's how excited I am about his work. <laughs> well, you have been uh, saying quite a bit, and, and, and I think the topic that we're going to get into today, Bill, is one of those topics that really will intersect with the lives of a lot of our listeners, it, it right? Indeed. This is this is prayer in real life. This is prayer in the midst of grief and sorrow and suffering, and, and I think where a lot of us just experience in the midst of the brokenness of this world, when, when the power of prayer is desperately needed in a variety of circumstances, like we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And he's uh, joining us right now on our studio line. Robert, welcome. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for letting me be with you. Yeah, we're, um, we've been talking about prayer for maybe six months, and we're kind of winding down here. But we have talked about, uh, I think, about every different dimension of prayer. But I don't think we've ever targeted a show on a specific episode in a person's life, like what you went through with Katrina. Well, prayer gets you through those difficult times, and it's not the uh, just the practice of going through some routine. Prayer is the realization, the actualization of the presence of God. Andrew Murray said the chief purpose of prayer is recognizing the presence of the Heavenly Father. So when you pray, you really are coming right into the presence of the King and actualizing and enjoying His presence and drawing strength from it. So it's not just some ritual or some routine. It's it's a real relationship. And in those moments when you need it, it nothing can compare uh, to that experience. Mm-hmm. I'd love our listeners to hear a little bit about your journey w- with uh, Katrina. I know she died in 2019, and she had MS, and you were her uh, caregiver. And there must have been so many times, uh, Robert, where you're just pleading with God for um, a different outcome or or progress or something that you would just be pleading constantly? Well, Katrina was a great prayer warrior. Uh, every morning, um, I would get her to her desk in her wheelchair, and I would go to my desk, and we would have our separate times of Bible study and prayer. We were taught from uh, from our young adult years to have what we called the quiet time or the morning watch uh, or that daily devotional period. And in the evenings, we would pray together. And, you know, we didn't feel led necessarily to pray for uh, some miracle of healing. We just prayed for daily grace and for the ability to stay cheerful. Uh, But most of all, we prayed for other people. We prayed for 
uh, things that other people were going through. We prayed for our children. And I remember one occasion, not too long before she died, uh, I had to take her in and she was in intensive care and having trouble breathing. And I was having a terrible time uh, with it. And we were both concerned about uh, someone mutually in our lives. And we just said, you know, we have to pray about this. And her prayers came and gasped because she was having trouble uh, getting her breath. But um, but we we just prayed together uh, for this other person. And it, it wasn't for her. It wasn't for me. It was for somebody else. Mm. But that prayer time with her is one of the most vivid memories that I have ever of, of a prayer time in God's presence. Uh, her gasping out prayers, my hurting so badly and, and being there and praying with her and us both praying together for this uh, person um, when, you know, when she hardly had breath for herself. But that was, uh, that's a very precious memory to me. And, and I think the Lord was there with us in that moment. Robert, you said something a couple of minutes ago about praying for a good cheer in the midst of just the sorrow and the suffering. And again, I would imagine there's many of our listeners that are acquainted with grief along these lines. Did did you experience then good cheer as a result of these prayers? Is that was that part of what happened in that process? Yes, the Bible tells us to rejoice always. Um, in fact, that's um, not just the New Testament command in Philippians: rejoice in the Lord always. But it's found throughout the Bible, and you know we can't do that in our own strength. Katrina and I resolved, even with her multiple sclerosis, and there were moments when it was very hard on both of us. Uh, there were moments when when I was at the very end of my uh, strength and, and my patience, and times when she was too. But we kept stopping ourselves and reminding ourselves that we had to be cheerful, that we had to uh, go into every day determined to be cheerful. And we would say, Lord, give us strength. That was a very frequent prayer. In fact, we wrote a, a book together called uh, The Strength You Need on the various strength passages in the Bible that God gave us. And I'll have to say the Lord did do that. He, you know, sustained us. He fed us invisibly uh, through some kind of secret pipeline from heaven by his Holy Spirit. And the book of Ephesians says that we should pray that God would strengthen us with all power uh, by the Holy Spirit and our inner being. And, you know, we didn't, we weren't perfect at it. I don't want to give any false impressions. We had um, moments of uh, anger and moments of anxiety. Uh, but but looking back, I can see the Lord's sufficient grace. And, you know, prayer is the arena in which we can tap into that. And Robert, as you were praying about these things, did you find yourself sort of oscillating back and forth between praying for a different kind of outcome and also praying for strength regardless of the outcome to, to be able to meet whatever that outcome might be? I mean, how much of prayer in these difficult times is about wanting to see the outcome different and how much of it is being able to walk through the outcome as it comes? You know, that's a very interesting question, and I cannot explain this, but we we never prayed for specific outcomes. Now, we did on a short-term basis. For example, if she went in for an appointment, uh, we said, Lord, give us good news. Or if we um, had some challenge that particular day, we said, Lord, help us to overcome this. But in terms of, of her, the overall progression of her disease, 
Um, and in terms of the overall direction of our lives, our prayer was just always, our times are in your hands, Lord. Uh, you know what is best. Uh, your will be done. Uh, we pray that you will give us uh, strength. But we we never belabored uh, praying that, that God would somehow give a, a miraculous healing. We didn't feel led to do that. Uh, I don't think that she did. You know, people would tell us if you just have enough faith, you know, you'll be healed or, or something. People gave us a lot of different pieces of advice. But in our hearts, we always felt we should just pray, Lord, your will is best. You, you know the day of our, of our birth. All of our days are recorded in your book. You know the day that you want us to take us to heaven. Uh, you've promised to give us daily strength for daily needs. One of the verses we leaned on was Deuteronomy 33:25. As your days, so shall your strength be. And we always felt that there would never be a day in which the burdens of the day or the tasks that were assigned to us would supersede the strength that God gave us. And we took that verse very seriously. As your days are, so shall your strength be. Robert, you're reminding us that we have very little control over things in life. Yes, we don't have a great deal of control, but that's uh, a great blessing. Um, Thank you for saying that. Mm. Yes, it's wonderful to know that our Heavenly Father is in control. Uh, Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow what you will eat or drink or uh, about your clothing, what you will wear. Uh, Look at the birds of the field. They don't labor uh, or gather into barns, and yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. And you are much more valuable than they are. The Father knows what you need before you need it. And, you know, that passage and others like it were very comforting. Um, going to the Bible every day, you know, every single day there is a work. Prayer is not just a one-way affair. It isn't just our talking to God. It is entering into a relationship in which He speaks to us in His Word, and we speak back to Him in response to that, and finding the promises that you need and claiming them for every day. Um, If Katrina were here, she would say that the solid integrity of Scripture is the foundation upon which we can build strong attitudes for every day, and prayer is that two-way street of listening to God and His Word and speaking to Him according to our needs. We're going to take a little break, but I certainly invite any listener who might find themselves in a situation that feels a little bit like what Robert has gone through. And if you have a question or a concern or something that you would like him to respond to, I'd love to hear from you. 877-933-2484. Robert Morgan is our guest, and we're going to be back. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are hosting the prayer series once again. We'll be back in 90 seconds. about prayer like we do on Wednesdays. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are hosting uh, Robert Morgan. He's written 
35 books. I'll, I'll name a couple because these are ones that are in my particular library. 100 Bible verses that uh, made America. Uh, Worry less, live more. Reclaiming the lost art of biblical meditation. And the one that he referenced already today is the strength you need. And Robert, your your testimony, your your you're authentic because you've walked this journey with your wife and you have already inspired Peter and I during the break where we were saying, boy, we so often put all of our attention into praying for the outcome and not praying for strength, whatever God would have us go through. Well, you know, it's, um, it's an amazing thing to go through a difficult time and develop your prayer life uh, as you go through it. Uh, but it's a wonderful thing. Let me tell you what, what happened with Katrina during the last month of her life. She, um, uh, I woke her up one day, or I went to get her up in her hospital bed that we had in her bedroom, and she was confused. And I, I thought she's had a stroke, and I called, the, I called the emergency people, and they took her to Vanderbilt. And very quickly in the emergency room at Vanderbilt Medical Center, she began to decline. And then she lost consciousness, and the doctor said, you better call in your girls. And so I called my three daughters who live in this area, and they rushed there. But they were so grieved um, that they didn't get to say goodbye to their mom. And the doctor who was with us in the emergency room at Vanderbilt uh, was standing there, and I said to him, do you mind if we have prayer together? And that doctor said, do you mind if I lead you? And I said, no, please do. And he led us in the most wonderful prayer in Jesus' name. And then I stood at Katrina's head, and and I knelt there and just, you know, held her head. And the girls, we were waiting, and her breathing was getting more and more shallow. And suddenly she opened her eyes and looked at me and smiled. And I said, well, look who's awake. And the girls ran over. And, you know, the Lord gave us another month with her. We were able to bring her home. And um, we had the most wonderful month, and and then she passed away with all of the children around her as we prayed and sang. But you know that that I'll never forget the doctor saying, "Would you mind if I led you?" And can you imagine what a ministry um, that was to us? And I think the Lord just at that moment answered prayer and and said, I'm going to give her another month to be with her loved ones. And that's the power of prayer. Robert, is there a way to even sort of develop an eye towards these graces that God provides in these moments that otherwise, I think they sometimes escape us, maybe when we're praying for these big things or for different outcomes, but these these daily graces that God really brings into the midst of us, can we develop an eye for those sorts of things? Because what, what a powerful set of realities in the last month that was given to you, even though the outcome didn't change. We have to look every day for the blessings that God gives. It says in the book of John, chapter 1, that out of the fullness of His grace, He gives us one blessing after another. And the actual Greek uh, text there, uh, as John wrote it, says that He gives us grace upon grace. And the idea, I think, is that of ocean waves. Before one recedes, another comes. Mm. And there is this constant uh, uh, ocean wave effect of uh, grace coming into our lives like like breakers. And we have to be aware of that because we can become so negative. And it's true for me. I mean, I get obsessed about things and get worried about things. And 
in our world right now, there's a great deal of anxiety. But if we can notice those daily blessings, the iris that's blooming in the garden, uh, the blue jay that flies through the air, the, the nice note that we get from a friend, uh, all of these things, uh, the, the food that we have, the fact that we have lungs that can breathe, and just learn to uh, thank the Lord for them. I try before I go to bed at night to thank the Lord for three specific things that happen during the day. Now, imagine going to bed and thinking of three terrible things that happen to you during the day, because we all have negative <laughs> moments during the day. Uh, but if you think of the three things that happened to you that were negative during the day, you're going to sleep differently. But if you can train yourself to say, Lord, thank you for today that this and this and this took place, then it changes your perspective. That is that power of gratitude. And that's a discipline, Robert. I think you have to speak that truth into your heart every night. Otherwise, your mind can drift into some of the negative territory and overtake you. We have to cultivate it, just like yeah. we we have to cultivate um, singing the great hymns of the faith in our heart. Um, you know, I'm on a campaign right now to make sure that churches don't totally lose the classic hymns of the faith. I love the new music, but we've got to, uh, you know, the new music doesn't last very long. So we need some of the, the great classic hymns and learning to let those circulate in our mind. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. Um, and scripture memory, letting uh, Bible verses circulate through our minds. All of these are healthy, mental, spiritual disciplines that can totally transform our personalities over time. I really believe that. I think that the right healthy spiritual disciplines uh, can transform our personalities over time. Robert, when you reference some of these old hymns, too, we're talking about uh, men and women of faith that were on this journey so long before us, right? And they shared many of these sorrow experiences. Did you find some strength just in the common story of the hundreds and now uh, well over 2,000 years of Christianity? Oh, yes. You know, I've written um, a book or a series of books called Then Sings My Soul on the Stories Behind the Hymns. And the stories behind the hymns and the hymns themselves are uh, so deep and so wonderful. And some of the hymns, of course, are especially about prayer. John Newton, who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace, also wrote this stanza about prayer. He said, Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such none can ever ask too much. I think when we when we read these people too, I, we do remember again that the story is much bigger than just our lives, and as, and as difficult as it must have been to walk out these last seasons of time with Katrina and and to see her pass into the heavens and into the eternal kingdom, um, it does give us a sense of hope, right? That we're part of a much bigger story than just our life, and we really are not able to squeeze the fullness of the peace that we desire out of this life, which is why we need the strength to walk through it in in the ways that prayer brings. Uh, well, that's true, Peter. And, you know, the last thing that I said to my wife, uh, to Katrina, and she was, you know, she didn't give any sign of consciousness at that point, but I bent over and I said, you go going to sleep, and when you wake up, we'll take a walk together along the Crystal River. And it was very hard for me to say that. I mean, I was saying it through very deep tears, but it was a very vivid 
uh, image in my mind, because in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, we have a travel log of the new heavens, the new earth, and the city of New Jerusalem, which is our heavenly home. And in the very middle of the city, we have the description of the great throne of God that is there, and flowing out from under the throne is this river, uh, the crystal river that flows through New Jerusalem, and alongside it are the wonderful uh, trees and beautiful uh, gardens, and, and alongside that are these translucent golden streets. And I think all of this is literal because the images that the Bible gives to describe it are not said to be symbolic. Uh, they're given to us literally. And so, you know, my joy uh, every day is I have pictures of Katrina up all over the house, but they don't make me sad. I'm looking forward to just walking hand in hand with her along the Crystal River. And none of us here on earth very long. So anticipating that reunion um, based upon scriptural truth and, and images that are given to us in the Bible with great clarity gives us a great deal of hope. We aren't, we aren't uh, destined um, to be stranded here on this planet and then perish. Uh, we are destined to go to the home prepared for us, the, the Garden of Eden, a billion times over that God has for us. So Katrina and I were both very aware of that. And that it doesn't mitigate the sorrow or take it away. We sorrow not as those who have no hope, but we do have hope. And so it mitigates the sorrow, and it directs our attention elsewhere. I love that word, mm-hmm. hope, Robert. And, I, you know, people who don't know the Lord, I pray that tonight, just by even hearing this broadcast, that you make a decision to become a follower of Christ and to be in right relationship. I mean, because what you've described is so beautiful. And it's, it's the reality for people who are in Christ. Well, it is. And the opposite is the judgment that the Bible refers to as hell or the lake of fire. And when you read about the great white throne judgment, people standing before God without any defense, and they've lived their lives and they've neglected Christ, that's a frightening scene. And, you know, when you think about that, then all of a sudden you find yourself not praying for yourself so much as for those who so very much need the hope of Jesus Christ. That's so true. Take a little break. Robert Morgan is our guest. And if you ever read the Red Sea Rules, it's one of his books, one of 35 that he's written. I have several of them, and I love them all. I find him to be a beautiful writer and a deep thinker. And if you have one of his books, you know what I'm talking about. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are, are hosting our prayer series for a couple more weeks, and then we're going to move on to another topic. We're not going to disclose what it is yet because we haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, Peter, right? Indeed. indeed. Yeah, right? <laughs> so if you have any uh, questions or something that you heard uh, Robert say you'd like some clarification on or to hear more of, let me know what it is, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. See, all I have need. 
beautiful. Our guest is Robert Morgan. He has uh, written more than 35 books, and he is um, our guest for the prayer series. Peter, during the break, you came up with a really good question, and I'd like to take credit for it, but I don't think I can. <laughs> so why don't you ask it? Uh, yeah, Robert, I'm curious. We talked a lot about the end of the story with you and Katrina, at least the end of the story in this world, but uh, my understanding is it was, it was about a 15-year journey within MS, and I can't imagine what that initial diagnosis was like and, and how life just, I'm sure, pivoted in that moment. Can you talk a little bit about what prayer looked like in those early moments when I'm sure it, it was um, quite the catastrophic change in life? Well, yes, and it was um, it was really a longer period than that. We uh, Katrina, when, the, when our children were uh, elementary and, and just going into the teen, teenage years, she began having a lot of numbness in her extremities. And um, it was very, very difficult to diagnose. And we went to a lot of doctors and it, you know, became worse, but there wasn't any any sense that she was having trouble walking. It was just this uh, burning uh, numbness in her uh, feet and, and hands. And so, you know, we, we didn't know what it was in MS back then, especially was uh, difficult to to pinpoint so we you know we were on a little bit of a roller coaster and that was a long time ago i don't remember a great deal about it except that of course we prayed at every point and finally um her diagnosis was confirmed to be multiple sclerosis but she was still ambulatory and it was only gradually that she moved from um from being able to walk on her own to having a cane I remember we were on a missions trip in Japan, and she was having some trouble walking, and we went into a little store and bought her a cane. And then she was on the cane for years, and then eventually uh, she went to a walker and then to a wheelchair with the ability to transfer. And the last 12 years or so, uh, she was in a wheelchair without any ability to transfer, so we'd have to lift her in and out. So it was a progressive thing, and in some ways that was a blessing because we— you know, we were able to acclimate ourselves to every stage. It says in Numbers chapter 33 that God leads us in stages. The Lord said to Moses, write down all the stages through which I have led you. And I think all of us can look back over our lives and see that, you know, there are various stages we go through, and every stage prepares us for the next. If we were suddenly, you know, had to leapfrog ahead three or four stages, I don't know what we would do, but the Lord guides us day by day and step by step and stage by stage. And we took it all by prayer as it came. And we weren't always successful in dealing with it with as good an attitude as we should have. But but we worked on that, and the Lord helped us. Robert, one of your books that I just love and I go to often is 100 Bible Verses Everyone Should Know by Heart. And when you are in your prayer life with the Lord, do you spend a lot of time speaking his promises back to him and reciting scripture when you pray? Because I'm, I'm at Psalm 56, verse 3, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. And you say in this book, that's, you know, nine words and 10 syllables, about the same length as your phone number, but what a life-changing sentence to learn, to learn and live. Well, it is, and yes, there's nothing more powerful than than. Uh, turning scriptures into prayers. You know, in James chapter 5, it says the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. 
And you can sort of change that and say the prayers of a righteous dad are powerful and effective, or the prayers of a righteous husband or wife are powerful and effective. And the most powerful and effective uh, praying we do is when we find Scripture verses and we pray them into people's lives. I have someone right now. There's a wonderful verse in Romans uh, 15, 13 that says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, that verse is a benediction that was just intended to be prayed for other people. So I say, Dear Lord, will you please fill her with all joy and peace that she may uh, overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I have certain verses picked out for every one of my children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, and I just try to pray those verses into their lives. When we do that, we know we are praying according to God's will. Robert, can you think of times as people have prayed for you those kind of verses as well, that you are then filled with this kind of hope? Like you sense when people are praying for you that there is hope and strength and courage and joy in these things that begin to be part of your life? Because we do need to be praying for one another like this. There are times when I cannot explain the peace that I have or the burden that has been somehow lifted somewhat from my heart. Uh, I went through a crisis with a, uh, an associate of mine about 15 years ago, uh, a young man that I'd hired, and things went really, really badly in his life, and it was traumatic for me and traumatic for everyone, and I was overwhelmed with a sense of, of sorrow and heaviness. And then I, I don't know how to explain it, but I can still remember the very moment when that seemed to lift. And the only explanation I can have is that people who knew about it were praying for me. So there is a tangible benefit that comes into our lives when people pray for us. And this is why the Apostle Paul would request some of these churches to pray for him. So, yes, I think, I think there is more going on um, invisibly through the mechanism of prayer than we can ever imagine. Mm -hmm. Robert, I'd like to ask if listeners maybe are in a difficult period where they can't sleep because of anxiety. Do you have any um, sleep counseling for us? Well, sometimes uh, I want to tell people to see their doctor, to talk to their doctor, to talk to a counselor. Um, That can help because if you cannot sleep, then the fatigue factor amplifies everything else. When we get tired, it amplifies all of our negative emotions. Um, But the thing that helps me so much um, is to go to bed meditating on Bible verses. Uh, This is why I believe in the practice of Scripture memory, but you don't have to memorize vast passages um, in order to, to think about verses as you go to sleep. But if your last active thought before you go to sleep is a verse of Scripture that you know that you just let circle around in your mind, then you'll, you're bound to sleep better and to wake up in a better disposition. This was um, something that the navigators under Dawson Trotman um, would, would really focus on in the early days of that ministry, making sure that you always fell asleep while you were meditating on Scripture. So, uh, so yes, I think sometimes 
we need counseling or we need a medical doctor to help us if we're battling insomnia. But there's got to be a spiritual foundation to it. And having the piece of Scripture, memorization and meditation has helped me more than anything else. Do you have the entire 23rd Psalm memorized? I assume you do. Oh, yes. <laughs> when I was in the, uh, I think it was the third grade. You know, <laughs> when, when I was in the public schools back in the 1950s and early 1960s, we had scripture memory programs in our public schools. We had the Bible, um, children's Bible mission, uh, people that would come in every week and give us prizes for memorizing scripture. So um, so I got a wall plaque, I think, a little wall plaque that said, the Lord is my shepherd or something. I don't have it now. I wish I did, but for memorizing the 23rd Psalm in the, I think it was the third grade. So that is, you just can't do better if you went to sleep every night quoting the 23rd Psalm to yourself or the Lord's Prayer, then, wow, it would make a difference in your life. Man, I don't know, Bill. I feel pretty remedial right now. Third, third grade Psalm 23. <laughs> it was a little later, I think, in my life. That's yeah. profound. I love it. Robert, I would say in terms of just that interaction of Scripture and prayer, we've talked about it a couple times throughout the course of the series, but uh, there really is a God-breathed reality that is is central to Scripture that we kind of are entering into the breath of God itself when we're using these passages within the context of our prayer life. Would you say that's fair to say? Well, of course, and that's absolutely true. If you take the 23rd Psalm, for example, you can say, Lord, uh, restore my soul. Lord, lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Lord, I don't know what to do about this decision. I've, I've got to get a new car, or I've got to change jobs, or I've got to decide what school I'm going to go to. Lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And to take the very phrases that God has given to us and turn them into prayers— has got to have a double power to it, uh, because you're dealing with Scripture both coming and going, as it were. And the other thing that I mentioned before are these wonderful hymns. Um, when I, I, I'll never forget being in college and, and being a senior and not knowing what I was supposed to do next, and I would wander through the woods near the campus and just sing the old hymn, Savior, Like a Shepherd, Lead Me. I'd known it from childhood because we'd sung it in church. Uh, Savior, like a shepherd, lead me. Much I need thy tender care. And when my daughter, uh, or when my granddaughter was really anguishing with what college to go to, I gave her a hymn book. And I said, look here in the back. There is a section of hymns called Guidance. And there's these wonderful hymns, all the way my Savior leads me, and Savior, like a shepherd, lead me, and guide me, O thou great Jehovah. I say, just go to the hymns about guidance and meditate on them and sing them and listen to them and learn them, and it will reassure you uh, that God knows what he's doing, that he'll lead you step by step. So so the scriptures and the hymns go hand in hand, I think, and this is why I'm really not willing to to give up either one. Robert, one of the uh, things— that I learned from your book, you gave a really nice explanation of uh, Galatians 2.20, and your uh, old pastor, uh, Dr. Young, told you the secret of Christian service was you have to die to yourself every day. And you, and I thought this was very cute. He said you have to put 220 volts to yourself every day, <laughs> which is Galatians 2.20, right. easy way to remember it. 
But as, as we start to pray to God in a daily way, isn't it wise to have a verse like this memorized so you can give Christ and, and you can say, this is my identity. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Well, yes. And, you know, I don't want to intimidate people with Scripture memory. Uh, I think this is a lost discipline, a lost art. But it, does, it doesn't mean you're memorizing a whole book in the Bible. Now, I was with a guy this morning, and he's memorizing the book of Romans. And, you know, that sort of stunned my mind because I've never memorized anything as long as the book of Romans. But I'm trying right now to memorize Isaiah 53. And I think it may take me all this year because, you know, at my age, I don't memorize quite so quickly. But it begins, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And I just take a little phrase every day during my morning devotions, and I repeat it over and over and over again. And I read, read the passage out loud. Sometimes I'll pace around like I'm preaching it and just read it out loud. And if you do that, you know, it will, even if you don't get it word perfect, you will come to internalize the gist of that passage or that Bible verse. So when you find the verse you like, then write it down. Uh, quote it to yourself, say it out loud as you go to work or as you're driving uh, wherever you go or when you're walking on the, you know, in the park, and, and just let those Bible verses dwell in you richly, as it says in Colossians chapter 3. And somehow the communion that you have with the Lord, um, you're filled, your heart is filled with Scripture and with hymns, and prayer comes very naturally in that setting. And there's nothing like it. There's, there's no way of explaining the, the way that it uh, conditions your frame of mind for every day. Mm-hmm. We'll take a short break. Robert Morgan is our guest. We'll uh, be back in 90 seconds. glad to have Robert Morgan as our guest today. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I love our prayer series. We're wrapping it up here in the next couple of weeks, but we have loved it. And we've uh, saved some of the best for last. Robert Morgan is uh, a pastor and he's written 35 books and he has a real deep love for the word. Robert, right before a break, you were referencing how you didn't want to intimidate people in terms of memorization. And I was saying to Peter during the break, you know, every once in a while, it's, it's nice to hang out with some actors because they're sitting there with a 72 page script that they have to pretty much memorize for a six-week run they're in in some Amazing. theater production. And, I mean, that's the equivalent of learning the whole Book of Romans and reciting it live on stage. Well, that's right. And uh, you would know because you've done I've done it, yeah. <laughs> Still, um, and I don't really know. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, at night I'll, I'll watch usually some innocent little show before I go to sleep to to get all of the the static of the day off my mind. And sometimes I'll look at them and wonder, how did they learn that whole <laughs> script and how they do it every week? Yeah. So so there's not really any excuse for us uh, not learning um, some Bible verses. 
and we need to teach them to our children as well. Mm-hmm. Children, children can learn Bible verses so quickly, and you know their their memorizers are 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 so keen because they God made them to to absorb and to learn a great deal of information during a short period of of time. What a child learns between kindergarten and middle school is amazing. They're just made to absorb this information. So um, so teaching our children some of the key Bible verses, I'm, I put 100 of them in my book, 100 Bible Verses That Made America. Um, but, you know, I, w- I wouldn't trade anything for the Bible verses that I have in my heart. Yeah. Robert, when I think of Philippians 4, this, of course, is a very famous verse, starting in 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. I think that's such a Mm. key part. I think sometimes people go to God with such anxiety, or maybe they go angrily because they're not having the outcome they want, and and they're they're not going with a spirit of thanksgiving. Um, Do we need to absolutely have wired into our hearts that verse four four that says rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again rejoice. Well, in my book The Red Sea Rules, I tell about a time when I was in Porto Alegre, and I was uh, my host put me at the top of an old dilapidated hotel, and all around the hotel they were selling big cases of cigarettes. And when I went to bed that night, in the top of this rather dilapidated way up in the sky. You know, I I said, dear Lord, I'd better pray for safety because, you know, this hotel is a fire trap. And I said, you know, one one blaze and the whole thing would go up. And I said, you know, that little elevator would never get me down to the ground. And I said, you know, there's no fire exits out. And I said, you know, that probably half the people in this hotel are going to sleep with a cigarette in their in their mouths. And by the time I finished my prayer, I was a nervous wreck. (laughs) I I didn't sleep all night long. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and the next day I had to repent for the way that I prayed. So sometimes if we if we just become obsessed with our problem and we cycle it through and through and through in our mind, making it worse and worse when we pray, then our prayers could do more harm than good. Oh, we, we have to we have to be honest with the Lord about our problems, but then we need to begin focusing on His promises and. Um, and and cycle upwards and not downwards in our prayers. Is there are there some just uh, basic steps to maybe reverse the way that we do our prayer life like that, Robert? Is it just a, me- a matter of sitting down and saying, "Hey, I'm going to do this differently today." What suggestions do you have? Yeah, I think we. For me, it, it usually involves taking a long walk um, or maybe journaling. If I'm obsessing about some problem, and I'm obsessive compulsive, so. If if something goes wrong in my life, I just can't focus on anything. I'm just obsessed with this. And and either I have to sit down and write it out in my journal or I have to go for a long walk and just pray through it and and force myself to come to a point of finding a promise and turning the corner emotionally. Um and and if I can do that, then then you know, it's sort of like um climbing a, a hill when you've got a, a knotted rope there that you can hold on to and pull yourself up from from step to step. When I find promises in the Bible that will help me, then I just hang on to them, and, and it, it helps me get up that hill until until I've got a better vista. Robert, in Psalm 118, 
verse 24, it says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Can you start your days that way every day? I almost always um, start my day with that verse. Um, Since Katrina died, I haven't quite known what to do in the evenings or what to do in the mornings. Uh, That's been my most difficult adjustment. And a lot of times now I'll wake up at 5, get a bowl of cereal, uh, get a cup of coffee, uh, look at the headlines on my tablet, uh, and sit in the Lazy Boy and fall back asleep again for another hour. I, I don't know if anybody else does that. I feel like a, you know, a lazy man doing that. But at some point um, around 6.30 or 7, I, I just open my eyes and I say, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice <laughs> and be glad in it. Mm-hmm. And, and I jump out of bed and get my day started. So, yes, sir, that that is a very important verse to me. Yeah. Uh, this is embarrassing because Peter just held up a piece of paper that said, ask him what kind of cereal he eats. <laughs> <laughs> Usually granola with blueberries or raspberries. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, oh, that's my love language. Yeah, yeah indeed. Indeed <laughs> it is. I love that. Helps you not off back to sleep. <laughs> I want to really know does. what you eat in the morning. Yeah, that you lazy boy has got, it's got my name on it. <laughs> yeah, the, important, the important thing is the cup of coffee, but yes, it's... <laughs> <laughs> So I want to have a spirit of rejoicing and a spirit of giving thanks. And if we can program that into our prayer life daily, uh, we're going to be um, living out a much more joyful day, aren't we? And one verse that I keep coming back to, because some problems are protracted problems, um, just like Katrina's illness or, or other things that we deal with. They may go on for years and we get discouraged, but... Uh, Luke 18, verse 1 says, we ought always to pray and not give up. And I go to that verse over and over again. There are times when, when I'm, I feel like giving up or I feel heartsick or I feel disappointed or discouraged. But then I keep going back and says, the Bible says we ought always to pray and not give up. And I hang on that verse a lot. That's a very important verse when it comes to prayer. Mm-hmm. Robert, we just have about four minutes left, three and a half minutes left. I would love for you to share with listeners the timing and the day of Katrina's passing, because God was comforting you in that moment Mm. in such an unusual way. Well, all of our kids and grandkids moved in, you know, for the last three or four days. They were sleeping all over the floor and on our mattresses, and Katrina was in in her bed, and for the first two days, uh, she knew everyone, and the grandkids comforted her, and then she sort of fell into um, uh, a, a coma state. Uh, And so it was on Veterans Day, November 11, uh, we were around her, and uh, and she just uh, very peacefully went to heaven. Uh, We'd been praying around her and singing some around her her bed, and uh, the nurse who was with us looked up and said she passed away at 11, 11 a.m. And somebody said, well, today is 11, 11, November 11. She died at 11, 11 um, on 11, 11. And Joshua Rowe, my son-in-law, uh, opened his Bible and said, listen to this. John eleven eleven says, uh, our friend Lazarus has died, but I'm going to wake him up. And I can't tell you what, you know, how electrifying that was to us at that moment with Katrina laying there in front of us to think that God gave us John eleven eleven at eleven eleven on eleven eleven, And truthfully, it was a little hard to grieve. 
after that, it says, though the Lord had so orchestrated things that he gave us a message, even at the moment of her passing, which gave us great hope. And I'm so grateful for that. And, you know, the details may be different with every Christian who passes away. And some people listening, um, you know, maybe didn't have that exact experience. But the same biblical truth is there for us all. Uh, This sickness will not end in death. Uh, Jesus said, I'm going to wake them up. I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. And the comfort from that is indescribable. Yeah. Robert, you are the gift that keeps on giving. Thank you so wow. much for doing the program. Peter and I have just been delighted having you on the show. Well, Bill, I, I love you guys. Thank you for letting me be with you, and may the Lord bless you until we meet again. And we love you, too. Thanks, Robert. Bye. Rob, Robert Morgan has been our guest. Go to robertjmorgan.com to learn more about Robert and his books and his writing and his blog. It's all wonderful stuff. That wraps up our show. Peter, thank you. It's great stuff. Been great. Boy, yeah. Just great stuff. I'm very emotional right now. Yeah, yeah and so, understandably so. Yeah. Have a great night, everyone. God loves you. I love you. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.